Hey friends, welcome back to the table as we uh, continue our sermon series here. We're super thankful that you guys tune in each and every week. We're jumping back into Exodus, uh, so we'll be here for a couple more weeks uh, as we continue to work through chapter by chapter the story of the Israelites from their captivity to covenant. So today uh, you're joined by myself as I preach for the 16th week. Uh, If you want to catch up on any of this, or maybe this is your first time viewing, the first uh, 12 or 13 episodes will be found on our website at thetablenaz.church or on our YouTube at thetablenaz.church forward slash YouTube. And then you can pick up from there here at our podcast if you want to get caught up. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. We love you. We'll see you soon. Hey friends, welcome back to church. We're super excited to get uh, back into Exodus this week. Thank you, Pastor Alicia, for leading us these last few weeks through the book of Galatians. It was a wonderful respite for me to be able to just listen and be fed, but I'm really excited to jump back into our series this in Exodus. Uh, but before we get there, why don't you pray with me? God, thank you for today. I just pray that these words would be spoken um, for you, that it wouldn't be my words, Lord, but yours. Thank you for helping prepare my heart for these messages. And God, I just am thankful for chapter 18 today as it's really spoken to me. And God, I pray that you would reveal yourself through the scripture today for everyone. In your name we pray. Amen. Today we're jumping into chapter 18 and 19. We're going to read through a bit of 18 and a bit of 19, uh, just because I know it's so many verses. But I would love for you this week to read through chapter 18 and 19 as we prepare to continue through our series in Exodus. Pastor Ryan's going to be joining us next week for chapter 20, which you won't want to miss because there's a whole movie based around chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. But we got to get to the Ten Commandments by going through 18 and 19. And I think there's some really wise words before we get there. Um, I know that it's been a, a bit of a break that we've had between our, our series here in Exodus. We took a time off in the Christmas Advent season, and then we took a four-week break as Pastor Alicia was here with us in person. So let me just recap you. For those of you who have missed, or maybe this is your first Sunday listening, um, what is Exodus? Exodus is this book about a people called the Israelites. And it starts with this character. His name is Moses. Moses was a a babe, born a child in a time of exile, in a time of slavery. And he was actually born into a very dark and scary time. The Pharaoh of the time decided to slaughter all the young boys under the age of like three or five. And Moses was just a babe, but his mom kept him a secret. And it got to a point where they could no longer keep him a secret. So they placed him in a wicker basket, sent him down the river, and the princess found him. The princess of the own Pharaoh who was killing the babies found him and adopted him as his own. And it's a crazy story. It gets really complex and deep, but she hires his own mother to be the wet nurse, to care for him for years. From there, Moses grows up and becomes this high up person within the uh, Egyptian culture. And eventually, he ends up having to be in exile, running away. And he gets to this place where he meets a family. And he meets his his future wife and his future father-in-law, Jethro, who we're going to actually talk about today. But God sends him back. He has this vision, this this moment in time with the burning bush. You know, the bush that's on fire. It's a story that most people know. And he goes and then he starts to tell the Pharaoh of the time, let my people go, right? Lots of people know the story. Let my people go. The the Nurn Shirai, the song about the Israelite people and the Egyptians. 
And eventually, Pharaoh doesn't just let him go. He kicks him out, says, go, you can't be here anymore. Go, you are no longer slaves. But then he pursues them, and he goes through this whole thing where it's fire by night and a cloud by day. They get to this river, and God opens the river, and they walk across dry land. The story has been incredible. It's been this covenant that God has kept with his Israelite people throughout their captivity. Hence our title, From Covenant, from Captivity to Covenant. God has remained faithful to the Israelite people this entire time. So now you're caught up. Reader's Digest. I know it was quick. But let's get into the scripture together now. We're going to read starting at verse chapter 18, verse 13, okay? So read with me. I'm going to go through the New Living Translation. Feel free to tag along on the Bible app. Uh, that you can download on your phone. Pause it if you need to. Chapter 13, Jethro's wise advice. And like I said, this is a character that Moses met who's actually now his father-in-law. Starts here. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against one another. He had waited from morning until evening. Sounds exhausting. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for his people, he asked, what are you even accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all of this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? 15. Moses replied, Because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me, and I am the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties, informs the people, and I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instruction. Moses here has become like this spokesperson for God, for the Israelite people. He's helped them lead them out of this captivity, and now they look to Moses for where to turn next, what step to take, and it's been this journey. So they trust him, but now Moses' time has been so caught up in this unnecessary quarreling of his own people. Let's continue. This is not good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out, and the people too. This job is too heavy of a burden for you to handle by yourself. Now listen to me. Let me give you a word of advice. And may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representation before God, bringing their disputes to Him. Teach them God's decrees and give them instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. Normal. Continue doing the big stuff. But, here's the big but. It starts here at 21. Select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them to be leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring forth the, have them bring forth the major causes to you. Let the leaders decide the small matters between themselves and let them carry the load, making it easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures, and all of the people will be able to go home in peace. Verse 24. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice followed his, and followed his suggestions. He chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them for over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, even 10. And these men were always available to solve the people's common disputes. They brought the major causes to Moses, and they took care of the smaller ones themselves. Soon after this, Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law, who returned to his own land. This is huge. I read through this this week, and I was just spoken to in a way that I hadn't been spoken to in a while. Because I can see 
myself and I can see Ryan kind of in the shoes of Moses here. What's crazy here is you need to understand that Moses is not uh, commanding and leading forth a church. He's not just taking on uh, this small group of people. He's not focusing on these 100, 200, even 1,000. He's leading forth the entire people of Israel. And Moses is wasting so much of his time sitting there listening to quarrel after quarrel, discussion after discussion. He's not getting anything done. He's no longer able to hear from God because he's constantly hearing the people. And the wisdom from Jethro here is not that he shouldn't listen to his people, not that he shouldn't hear where they're coming from, but that he should trust his leaders. There are leaders here in this story. We've, we've met them. We've read about them. Aaron is a large leader that has been at Moses' right hand. There's many other that have been named off, along with well, some of these women who have helped lead the people of Israel. But Jethro tells him, find trustworthy people that are not going to be bribed to help lead the people, that you can give command to and let them do things and not have to worry about it, not have to stress about it, not have to hold your hand with the person through a circumstance that you know they are able and willing and equipped to do. And it's interesting. He's not saying appoint everybody to everyone. He's not asking for one person to do all of this. He's asking for multiple people to take on different loads from someone that Moses trusts enough to take on a thousand Israelites. That's a ton of people. To 150 to the smallest being 10, which I think is super important here because it's not just saying that one person deals with all that or maybe you just find 10 smart people that are, smart, are good, smart, and that'll be followed. He's asking for Moses to take up all of these different leaders that'll lead in all different capacities from a large group to a very small, dynamic, intimate group. And what I've begun to be revealed to me in this as I've read through this and prepared is realizing how this isn't just a passage of scripture that tells us the history of the Israelites. But Jethro's advice is something that we can take at the table. That Ryan and I and Alicia can take at the table. That we don't have to do everything. That yeah, we're capable and we're doing good and, and we're working hard. But friends, at the end of the day, though Ryan and I had a dream and a vision that got aligned back in 2019 about planting the table... It's not mine. It's not Ryan's. It's God's. It's the people of God's. And so, as we're kind of opening and discussing this, what I want you to consider, friends, is what does it look like for you at the table to hear these words and to, to be told? What does it look like for you to maybe become the leader that God's asking? And... It's not like we're asking the next pastor to step up here. Though if that's what you're calling us about maybe this next week, wonderful. But what does it look like for you to step up and serve? Like it says here, look for people that can take on a thousand, one hundred, fifty, even ten. And if we apply that to our context today, what does it look like for us to, to take on the entirety of the church? What does it look like for us to, to, to start another house church? Maybe be a house host or house pastor. What does it look like to start a new ministry? Youth group, kids group, women's group, men's group. What does it look like for you to just reach out to the people who attend your house church and love them well?
I think this is an opportunity that Jethro is telling Moses, but it's an opportunity that, that Scripture is telling us at the table to offer this ability to lead. And so, I know it's kind of a weird pitch here, but are you feeling called to lead? Is it something that's been on your heart that you want to do something for the table? Maybe it's unconventional or you've been talking about it with your spouse or your loved ones or you've been dreaming about it as you drive. Talk to us this week, even after church here. Come talk to Ryan, myself, or Alicia. What does it look like for you to step up and be one of those people who helps lead? Let's continue here because, again, I could probably ramble all day about joining the table and leadership because we need you and I love you. But let's continue because this next part here in chapter 19 is also pretty important. And it's when the Lord reveals himself at Sinai. And this is going to set us up for next week, friends. This is exciting because the, the Israelites have not been perfect. We know it. Time and time again, they've gotten one place and then they turn to, to Moses and they say, why are we here? It'd be easier to be in captivity again, Moses. It'd be easier to be in slavery because at least there'd be food on the table. But God does something big here at chapter 19. Read with me the first couple of verses. It says this, chapter 19, verse 1, the Lord reveals himself on Mount Sinai. Exactly two months it's interesting here. It gives us real context of time. The, exactly two months after the Israelites had left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. After breaking up the camp, they came into the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of the mountain. Then Moses climbed upon the mountain to appear before God. And the Lord called him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions, give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. He's, he's saying the, the family of Jacob, the descendants of Israel. He's, he's telling Moses here, God is, to tell the people of Israel these commands. And it's very important commands. He says, You have seen what I have done to the Egyptians. You know how I have carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Chapter, verse 5. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special trevor, treasure we're not talking about me here, but you, this is God speaking to the Israelites, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth, for all of the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, a holy nation. This is the message that you must give the people of Israel. So Moses returns from the mountain and calls together the, the elders of the people and told them everything that the Lord had commanded them. And all the people of Israel gathered together. We will do everything that the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought that people's answer back to the Lord. And then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear when I speak to you. Then they will always trust you. I love this. God is preparing his people. He's showing them a way that he is going to come forth. And it's, it's a very physical, very uh, honestly emotional way that he's going to come down the mountain in a cloud and the people of God are going to witness the Lord, Yahweh. And it's interesting because we continue to see throughout the book of Exodus, the people of Israel continue to fail, continue to fall flat. They continue to goof up. And we could turn and laugh and point our fingers at them. 
But for me, it gives me hope. Because God chose to reveal himself to a broken, imperfect people. He chose to come down and to love them with his presence. And in these moments of our lives when we're trying to navigate what 2022 looks like in a we're still in COVID, post-COVID world, when we're trying to figure out what to do with this new looming war of, of Russia and the Ukraine, as we're trying to love and minister to people in this world that seems to continue to stray further and further from God, the Lord loves His people. And it talks here about it being Israel, the specific people in the book of Exodus. But as we, we look towards the future, as we look at the Gospels, we see these things that overlap and intertwine, showing that it's not just this singular, small group of people named Israel, but it's you and it's me. Later in chapter 19, God begins to tell the people what they can and cannot do. Set a perimeter around the mountain. Don't approach it. Those who come in contact with the mountain, they step into holy ground and they will be killed for that. I will come to you, but you are not worthy to be on this ground, but I will come to you because I love you. And what's interesting here is God uses three days. He prepares the people in three days. Where else do we read that? We read that about a time that we call Easter or the resurrection where Jesus was betrayed by his people, by the ones he loved. He, he was, when people asked him, do you know the Jesus guy? There's, there's someone in the Bible that we read about who, who denies him three times. And Jesus is put to death on a cross and three Days later, he rose from the grave. In this story in 19, God comes down the mountain after three days and reveals himself to the people. What is that going to look like for you today? How's God revealing himself to you? Is it through the people sitting next to you on the couch or the chairs here? Is it those you're interacting with online through our digital communities? Is it your neighbors? Is it your coworkers? And maybe you need to flip that question. Maybe isn't it isn't is God revealing himself to you, but how is God using you to be revealed to others? Friends, I offer you these moments to join us in leadership and to join us in being the light of the world because I know the impact it has. So I want to challenge you. What does it look like for you to love people like God loves you? I'm really excited to continue this story of Exodus. I'm excited to look into the Ten Commandments next week. Would you be intentional this week about loving others like Christ loves you? I'm going to try, and I'm going to ask you, you keep me accountable in that, because it's difficult, and there are some people I don't want to love, but I challenge you, and I'm challenging myself here, won't we go forth and love 
people like Christ loves us. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. I pray that we would go into this world with a, a burning in our hearts to love people like you love us. God, I, I'm thankful for the sacrifice that you made for us on that cross. To die for my sins, our sins. Lord, I pray that uh, in our hearts we would be revealed that where you want us to step up, whether it's in a small capacity of, of just bringing food on Sundays or moving forward into something greater, like starting a ministry here at the table. And God, maybe if that person's watching or listening or a part of this discussion today who wants to be a house host or a house pastor, continue to convict them and to love them, to give them passion, remove the anxiety so that they might work with us, so that we can work with them to build the kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for all you do. In your name we pray. Amen. See you next time.